Alrighty, Parks of Popcorn coming at you with uh, the lobster. So your usual uh, spoiler warning at the front end if you have not seen the lobster, uh, Yorgos Lanthimos, as uh, film from uh, 2015, um, which is certainly one that you want to go into without knowing uh, any spoilers at all. It's one that you want to go into with an open mind and really let that trip take over you. So yeah, uh, if you haven't seen it, go and watch it, then come back to the pod. Um, really, really good chat. So... But without further ado, let's get into it. Going to ask you a question, and I want you to answer honestly. What's worse, to die of cold and hunger in the woods, to become an animal that will be killed and eaten by some bigger animal, or to podcast from time to time? To become an animal that will be killed and eaten by another animal. Have you ever been on your own before? No, never. Your last relationship lasted how many years? Around 12. Sexual preference? Women. Is there a bisexual option available? No, sir, this option is no longer available. Hmm. And the dog? My brother, he was here a couple of years ago, but he didn't make it. Did you read the leaflet? Yes, I did. As you understand from your brother's experience, if you fail to fall in love with someone during your stay here, you'll turn into an animal. Have you ever danced with anybody? Yes. As an animal, you'll have a second chance to find a companion. What sort of dancing did you do? Just depends on the music. Mind if I join you? It's no coincidence that the targets are shaped like single people and not couples. Did you catch rabbits? Catching a rabbit is difficult. Thank you very much. If you need more rabbits, I'll bring you more. You promise? You can be a loner as long as you like. There is no time limit. Any romantic or sexual relations are punished. We have to be totally synchronized. Three, two. You're like a brother to me. Oh, you're my best friend in the whole world. I don't think I'm your best friend in the whole world. Now, have you thought of what animal you'd like to be if you end up alone? Yes, a lobster. A lobster is an excellent choice. If you encounter any problems you cannot resolve yourselves, you will be assigned children. That usually helps. Pints of popcorn is back on a Monday morning. Um, just all time. This has been a journey to get to actually recording this pod because I've had. I was sick one night when we were going to do it. You were. Uh, you had some meetings. I was. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Which is now happening tomorrow. Yeah. Even like yeah. Yeah, but we did it. I haven't. It's been a while since I've seen the movie now, but. Yeah, yeah, and as there's a, a lot of broad concepts in this that I think <laughs> we can talk about. Yeah, yeah, we're gonna need the beers. It's definitely a, a, a emphasis on the pints and popcorn of the of the <laughs> Shages drinks away on screen. There, uh, we're doing the 2015 uh, Yorgos Lenthimos. I'm hope, hoping that's pronounced right. Uh, uh, it's 
good to be back on the pod. <laughs> <laughs> right, here's 20. We'll just call it a Yorgos. Uh, 2015 film, The Lobster. Yorgos. Yeah, uh, 2015 film, The Lobster, uh, which is... Kind of the film that put him on the map. Yeah, yeah. It was, I think it was his first English language film. Um, and it's quite brilliant. Um, he's... Yeah, there's a lot of things to talk about and unpack with it uh, thematically. And, and it's, uh, but, you know, on the surface, just to, for one thing, it's uh, very beautifully made and uh, visually striking considering it's like a lot of dull tones and, and it's very filmed in a very particular way to um, emphasize it's the dryness of the film, I guess. Um, but That's all his films as well. Yeah. He has like this um, lens that he uses that takes like the brightness out of... Uh, brightness out of the shot yeah. and makes it duller and more, which really fits his writing style, I think. And he's just really like, he's the opposite of a flash in the pan. I mean, he came in hot, but like, oh, I just need the beer to start flowing. Well, uh, this will get, this will get better. I promise. <laughs> yeah. Um... I come up with a better metaphor than a flat, uh, the opposite of a flash in the pan. But he's just like it, it, very true to himself and true to his art form, and he's very original. And we were talking right before we started that that's what we need right now is, you know, in this Marvel DC world or remake world, we need mm. these incredibly imaginative directors and writers. Yeah, and that's why sometimes when people say that, you know, film isn't what it used to be, um, it's just people aren't actually finding these films, which it's, you know, it's, it's always the. Uh, the thing about, you know, looking back, you know, it's the member berries of um, that crazy South Park episode of people always remember how how good things were without remembering there was a lot of shit movies back then too. And it's just like now is, you know, we... There's can, a lot of shit movies, yeah. Yeah, you know, now we could say there's, you know, there's, there's all the Marvel films which are successful in their own right and what they do. But then, you know, all these films are coming out at the same time and are there and um, very, very easily found now with, um, you know, maybe, you know, the Lobster's not the kind of movie that's getting big trailer, big advertising campaigns, but it never would have been back in the 80s, 90s or whatever either. It's I heard about it, though, when it came out. Yeah. And I, I mean, I lived in the middle of the country at the time, and so, you know, finding it wasn't easy mm. by the time that the word got out, because it was probably in Lincoln for like a week or two. But I remember you and I talking about it, and you told me I needed to see it right when you saw it. And yeah. yeah, yeah, me and Andrea, like um, when it was Andrea's first couple of months living here that we... Uh, she was volunteering at the Adelaide International Film Festival. It's a great film festival down here. It's um, biannual, and this was the, one of the opening films for it in the big IMAX theater down down in Adelaide. And uh, oh, we were just looking through the schedule to see, like, since we're going to be going down a bit anyway. She was like, "Oh, we should see some." She she was the one that kind of picked this one out and showed me the synopsis, and I was like, oh, "That sounds wacky and wild." So, and I'm Colin. <laughs> pa- oh, I'm a big like uh, Colin Farrell's roles in. Well, it's an amazing cast. Yeah. Um, and then we, we talked about him a couple of weeks ago on the In Bruges pod and what, what he's done in his second half of his career with some interesting roles that really kind of ask him to do different things as an actor. Uh, so I was, I was just like, the synopsis wise, it was one of those ones that I didn't, I don't think we even watched the trailer. We just read the synopsis and said, yeah, let's go see it. And it was packed, packed theater down in Adelaide and um, at the print, like, was, I think it was this Australian premiere. It was like a really good, like, it's just I remember watching it, and that's probably when I texted you. Is like whenever you find this movie, go s- see it somehow because it's um, it's the kind of experience. It's one of those ones that I think I've talked to you about, about this before on the pod um, or off air. With some <laughs> our memories of the pod sometimes just flow into the off air chats we have as well. But this was one of those movies that I have a particular distinct memory of walking out of and how I felt because it was that 
powerful in what it makes you feel and think and just you know i'm not exactly sure if i know what that feeling was walking out of it because i'd never quite seen a film quite like this one yeah we definitely talked like i talked about that and i think we both like kind of said the same thing about midsomar which is just that it it's so much different than what you expect from a film and even if you go in it into it expecting it to be different it's still going to be different than your preconceived notion of what is different in filmmaking um I we talked on the Midsommar podcast that I couldn't stop thinking about it like for a week I think after I watched it the first time and then the lobster is very similar and so is killing of a sacred deer that it is a feeling that you can't really put into words the Germans probably have a word for it but <laughs> or the Greek but um yeah it's just I didn't, yeah <laughs> I think I did this on the Midsommar podcast too where it's just like there's so much going on in it but the tone of it is so like stringent and in your face like it's in your face but subtly I don't <laughs> I, I, I think I know what you mean it's like there's so much about the movie that is like it's very it's slapping you across the face with the um, the themes of like how we, how how society sometimes views love and companionship and and partnering up in a way because oh we'll definitely get into that yeah because I then there's so much yeah <laughs> there's so much under the surface about the, the subtleties of relationships and um, there's a really good blog post um, from someone that put it up on Medium that I will um, it's good the tight the guy that writes it's just called sculpting in frames and he's got a picture of what looks like Jake Gyllenhaal from Nightcrawler is the, the his profile picture, which I highly respect. Um, so I'll put that. Uh, yeah. I'll, I'll refer to this. I'll refer to this blog post a little bit throughout, and um, I'll put it in the show notes. It's called just Lobster Analysis: A Look at Modern Love because it is a really great um, post that kind of summed up uh, had brought out a few things that I hadn't even quite fully formed in my mind. And so it's a really I will give him the shout out because I will, um, yeah, refer to it a few times in the pod. But yeah, the the um. There is so much going on on the surface that's very easy. Like it's very, it's a very easy film to understand on the surface if you go in and watch it and don't exactly go too deep into it within your mind. But then if you do spend the time, as we have, thinking about it, and then there is so much more to it as well. Um, it's just, yeah, it's yeah, it's. Uh, I mean, the first watch, you're just blown away by just the idea behind it, mm -hmm. um, and then just kind of. And then the performances too, I think, is something that's really striking. Um, in I mean, John C. Reilly has a lisp in it. And yeah. It's a, they don't Never explained. Yeah, and it's just all the, the also gets his hand in a toaster <laughs> for baiting, which you know is uh, <laughs> it is what it is. Yeah. <laughs> Poor guy, but um, it's just so out there that it's like hard to really pick up the theme of what it's trying to say the first view. And I think that's why we do this podcast is because like even when we do silly movies, it's like there's usually more substance there than you think after first first watch. Yeah. And the director was obviously trying to make a point. It is kind of allegorical um, towards modern love. And uh, yeah, you just like at, at first you're just like, well, these people are turning into animals. There's literally animals walking around. People are being shot with guns, with stun guns. These people are walking into a city. We don't understand what year it is. There's no. <laughs> and that's the thing about Yorgos's movies. It, killing of the sacred deer is the same. It's like, what? This isn't. This is like a parallel universe than we live in, because there's no extras, ever in any of his shots. It's just the two. It's like a play. Yeah. It's this amazing, 
hollowness to it that that is effective that makes you feel hollow inside because it's boiling down all of these complex emotions we have to just really tight lines and tight actions by the uh actors and actresses and it's just yeah it, it'll make you it's very existential i think yeah there's, yeah, there's a lot of there's a lot of um yeah deep thinking that goes on after watching a film like this um if you allow it to because yeah the, the and the, this blog post talks about how it's just it's very everything becomes binary for the film and this sort of like very binary yeah, yeah that's a gr- yeah that's yeah. amazing that's a great way to put it yeah is it it's all ones and zero. <laughs> like yeah. it, it really even, even is. The, even right down to the shoe sizes. It's, it's like which you know. Yeah. <laughs> no half sizes. No halves. <laughs> no halves. <laughs> Someone with more e- editing just needs to just do like the leave the movie exactly the same, but when it comes to the shoe size bit, just get that voice in there of no halves, and then go back to no, <laughs> and I will buy that copy of the film. <laughs> <laughs> Yorgos would probably have us killed for that, yeah. or at least turned into whatever animal we want or don't want. Yeah, yeah I got questions about that later. Um, probably second half of the pod questions. A good like couple. I got beers. some questions for you. A couple <laughs> beers deep questions is always good. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, I guess first, like the perform, like to before we go deeper into some of the, just even the performances is where that you kind of your you your your view into the movie starts is because these guys are very the deadpan nature of how everything is so matter of fact, you know, there's no, no emotions to the, well, there is emotions there, but they're, they're, they're suppressed. Um, it's like, what the hell happened to society? Yeah. That's like what I take away from both, um, both the movies we've, we've talked about here, both of his movies, uh, killing of the sacred deer and the lobster, obviously that it's like, what happened in society that turned these people into the, like, how far in the future is this? Like, yeah. or is it just on a parallel plane? I, yeah. And then, yeah. and then you get into a different existential question. It's like, is there a version of me living in some parallel universe that's just like, they're in a Yorgos movie that's all just, like, they're not ripping beers and talking shit, but they're just, <laughs> they're just, like, very straightforward and like, yes, I did like that movie. And I have a bloody nose now. <laughs> Do you have bloody nose? Like, is there a version of me out there doing that? And so, yeah, it's yeah. very trippy. Yeah, and I think this one, um, I think that's what probably my first one of the big things I was thinking when I first walked out of this movie the first time, and I had to watch it a second time to get more into some of the other stuff because the performances to me were quite amazing. Um, I've, I've seen some criticism of uh, Rachel Weiss's like. Um, uh, narration of the film but i love it. it's like perfectly amazing. it's it's perfectly, it's amazing it's, perfectly it's so like, for me like she actually deadpans her voice so much for that narration that it's that it's quite brilliant i find and like right and just and and often it often is interjected at the perfect times just to like you know, i know some people just are, are anti- very cold and cutting yeah some people which is what the anti- movie is anti-narration to the film but then for me it also gives i me- prefer that like if you're gonna narrate a film do something creative with it like yeah. we've we've all seen like Ever since I was young, I wanted to be a gangster. It's like, yeah, we've all <laughs> we've all seen that movie before. Like, do something different with it. And I think that's, I mean, I think Yorgos probably told her to deliver it that way. And it's also, we'll talk about the ending, obviously, later. Mm-hmm. We don't want to jump right ahead to that. But, like, it's like she's telling it after the fact. And who knows, you know, the ending is so ambiguous that... 
you know, she could be telling it from two different places and that could easily be why she seems so harsh and cutting about it. Mm -hmm. Also, they blinded her, which is super fucked up. (laughs) Probably living a harsh life after that. Um. Yeah, well, I yeah, Farrell's performance is probably one of. I think I talked about in the Embridge pod a couple of weeks ago that um his performance there was incredible, but I think this is, might be one of my favorite of his. Uh, taking into account all of his roles and all of his different ones, I think this one is the one where, ironically, he's got to play deadpan a lot, but the subtle emotion he does show at different times when it's right. Um, Embridge is a very close second, but I think this one just tips it for me for what it was, how different it had to be, and what he had to do, and um. It was a good, great bodily performance because he's got a bit of a he's got a bit of a, a beer gut, and it's kind of like there's a way that he holds his body where it's just like I am a slightly overweight middle aged man. This is just who, like it's part of the binary nature of the film is like they don't care about his stature is slightly he's not like proud he's just like slumped slightly but still standing up straight, and it's just like just a very matter of fact nature of how even his body is just he's walking around, and just uh, there's the subtleness of that to his performance and just just everything about it you know when he's brushing his hey, teeth, just a normal brushing his normal teeth with white his hand, dude. hand like handcuff behind his back and he's just like he's just it's just a great performance i find out or him taking off his pants with his hand like behind yeah. his back and not like caring that he's struggling with it is just like really it's like subtle again it's very subtle everything with yorgos is subtle but the bigger mm-hmm. themes are right there in your face all the time um especially the scene i thought he killed it where, where the dog is killed yeah yeah that's what i was gonna get to. where he's trying to hold it together it's mm-hmm. just a great bit of acting um yeah i'm just uh, man why like wouldn't you rather be a lobster than be married to that lady yeah <laughs> i mean yeah let's get into that now i would absolutely yeah that's um I mean, one of the central or whatever th- animal. We'll yeah. talk about that later. But yeah, um, the central theme to this movie really is about like, I mean, he's taught like the whole theme of the society is to find companionship, it, regardless of you know, find the thing, find something you know, you know, binary and outward that's easy to com- find. Uh, you yeah, know, similar, one thing similarities with and, and and lock it in and and you know and obviously we've got the other character of the limping man. Um, you know, faking nosebleeds and and this, uh, I wonder that like this obviously tips um, Farrell's character into thinking maybe I can maybe I can feign my way into a relationship here too. And whether he finds the the cold hearted lady attractive outwardly and is just like, all right, I'll see what I can do to maybe convince her. Because you know, I don't know what why else would you be trying to even link something up there? Because she's obviously a fucking psycho. Um, yeah. I... <laughs> I don't. Did he have a plan of escaping, and he was using her, or? I, no, I think he was just very much just like I don't want to turn into an animal, so I'll. And it's part of like the society they live in is just like, even though I'm not happy, I will be happy because I'm in a relationship, and that's what this is dictating to me. So you know, I'll take the psycho nature of her, and but you know, the dog killing, obviously, um, <clears throat> you know, she's testing him the whole time, um, you know, even with just that. just let her die on the olive. Which she did technically, but she had taught herself to somehow survive choking. So, <laughs> <laughs> um, well, no, that was the, she was just faking that. I think just to, uh, test, to yeah. test him, like because she was just like okay. I'm a bit dense. So. <laughs> yeah, she was like that was her first test, and then yeah, obviously she kills the do- like 
she's just never actually, she's suspicious the entire time and it finally goes to the lengths of kicking a dog to death, which <coughs> is a part of Yorgos's brutality, but just a very, it's very mundane, a matter of fact, how he does it. It's just like he shows the blood and all that all over her leg and it's just like, okay, that's what it is. And then we unfortunately see the poor dead brother dog on the bathroom <coughs> floor and like obviously it um, sends Farrell's David into um, into tears that he tries to hold back and she she notices and says you're not you're not really like you're not really like me you're not a cold-blooded psycho killer like I am so we can't be together I'm gonna and right. but it's funny like you know she's the most she's the perfect citizen of this hotel she's got 150 days now or 156 days of until she gets turned, it's a forty-five day start, and she's basically right. She's going to be in perpetuity um, in this hotel because she's never going to find someone, but she's good at being cold. So it's like uh, there's some something there to unwrap too about you know how we treat the treat people who are cold-blooded in society that they somehow get rewarded for their uh, their <laughs> their cold-blooded nature, even though it's antithesis to what the society is asking of the rest of the people. You know, it's wow, like, yeah, blowing my mind. I don't know. I don't know exactly. Yeah, it is. It is. I mean, there's one of those president, uh, president half the world right now. Even depending on which country you go to. Um, golf, so. golf with Brett Favre today. Well, yeah. over 150,000 Americans are dead. Yeah. Fuck um. <laughs> Brett Favre, man. Yeah, Trump, obviously. But <laughs> yeah, I mean, fuck Brett Favre. But uh, yeah, I mean. You know, what do you think the animal was that nobody wants to become that she became? <laughs> oh, that's a good question. I I remember watching it and thinking, I wonder what that is, and then just it, it rolled straight out of my mind again. Um, I mean, geez, he wants to be a lobster, so it's got to be something even worse than like something that gets fried. To <laughs> well, lobsters are immortal, aren't they? They live, they, a long, they live a long time, but I don't know. Most of them get caught and boiled. <laughs> Motherfuckers. <laughs> um, yeah, but I do I do think like the film is just such a big social commentary on like online dating and how we just get matched up with like I've never done it. I, I probably will do it because Jesus Christ. But um, <laughs> but um, you just get matched up like on one thing that you guys have in common, and then you're like get together and mate and. You know, this is what society is for. And, like, we've streamlined an intimate relationship. And then flash forward to the people who have escaped the hotel and they're out in the wild. They're not necessarily trying to find love, but that's kind of where you find love. Mm -hmm. Like what happens in the film. So it is, it's a, a commentary on a lot of things, but I, I take a lot away from the idea that it's, you know, pretty critical of how we've streamlined meeting the person that you're with yeah and even and even beyond that it's just a critical of the societal expectation that you should be partnered up um i think i i read an interview that yorgos said that it was part of his creative process it was just there's this you know societal norm that you you get married have two and a half kids and and live life and no matter what two and a half (laughs) no matter what your uh you know personal position about you know you know whether you know some people just I want to run life in a different way. It doesn't or matter. Or if you should 
have kids. Yeah, well, that's, that, that was going to be my next question about the uh, the, 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 the if the, if that doesn't work for you, we'll assign you a kid. That seems to solve all problems. Like, right, like, and that's a huge commentary. A very, on... very in your face part of the film is like they do tell you straight up like some of the the themes there, and then you have to unpack some of the other ones, like the 156 days for the narcissist. But um, yeah, it's like <laughs> it, it is such a criticism of the fact that we. You know, I mean, me and Andrea have been married for four and a half years now, and the amount of times, and pe- like m- a lot of people close to us have stopped asking the question about kids because they like we in- we keep saying <laughs> it's not going to happen. I still do it all the time. <laughs> <laughs> um, I drink heavily. Uh, but you know, it's like it is just an, uh, like as soon as we got married, it was a question very quickly from a lot of people. So it's like, so when are you having kids? It's like, and it was like. You know, we knew that that's just what happens. It's just frustrating. Well, you're both from big families. Because then people people start wondering why you haven't had kids after a few right. years as well. And it's just a weird... That's just... And it's such a entrenched societal norm that I can't be mad at those people just do it. But that's part of my life journey. is like I'm trying to break myself from... Because, you know, you realize that a lot of societal norms like that are actually what's down... Like, you know, there is a social need for people to not have as many kids right now because the planet can't the current way the planet works is it just can't sustain it so <clears throat> yeah. yeah then we need to be careful about that and then there's uh yeah it's just and it's just interesting that, that so much of that is in this movie and is um very explicitly said at times you know when they just say oh we'll assign you a kid that seems to work which is just you hear so many stories of people that had kids after a few years then have a kid but then save the marriage it's a fucking common theme that is proven to not work it makes things worse Mm -hmm. you end up with like parents like mine who are both awesome people individually but like they did and like they probably shouldn't have had a kid because they are very different people and so like the stuff my mom likes about me is the stuff my dad hates about me (laughs) and vice versa (laughs) i mean there's a lot of kids out there we're all glad they did because you know yeah Everyone but me. <laughs> but, um, yeah, you hear that all the time here. And it's just like, and again, like, it does, you are, it, it just plays into the American dream, which the American dream is obviously not just subject in, in America. It's obviously gone other places and it's probably existed before the idea of the American dream was a thing, but it's just you have the white picket fence and two kids and a happy wife and you have that good job. And it's like, that's so unrealistic. And especially now, I, I think it was always unrealistic, except maybe the 1950s, at least in America. Yeah. They, but they, since they, then it's become, yeah, there's a lot you of know, fifties housewives that were, uh, <laughs> that's where like you could say opioid abuse really started too. So, uh, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's also how, like, ecstasy started, is mm-hmm. they were giving it to housewives because they were so goddamn bored. That's why vibrators existed, because they weren't having orgasms, because their their men didn't care enough, because that was society back then. Yeah. And so it, it kind of was this different society that's not that different than what the lobster is portraying. Mm-hmm. I mean, who knows? But, yeah, it's just a real commentary on especially like when you're single in your 30s um the first time i saw this you know i was in my mid 20s so you have different you're a different person i mean you get you go through phases in life and you know you think 
that by 31, your entire life you think by 31 you'll be married, but then you're not, and you, like, look back at it, and you're like, I'm glad I didn't marry any of the people I was with, and it would be a mess if I did. So, what's wrong with that? Like, but society, like, yeah, like you said, society expects it out of you. Luckily, I have understanding parents, but, like, if I had more overbearing parents, I might have ended up with the wrong person married right now with a kid that I probably hate. <laughs> I'm kidding. I love whatever kid I have. A kid that's sitting on a sitting on a yacht explaining like was it basketball size or fucking <laughs> the most mundane conversation ever on that yacht and and then one of your friends kicks her in the shin and it's just like all right, what's yeah. going on? Here? <laughs> that's gonna be me. Like if you and Andrea ever do decide to have children, like walk. Me and my cold-hearted girlfriend will walk up to you, and I'll kick him in the shin to impress her. Uh, uh, but that, yeah, and again, like that's what's so fucked up about the movie, and like what's fucked up about society, like it echoes it in the film, is that like you force yourself to be the with the wrong person, so you don't become an isolated lobster in a tank. Yeah. Um. <laughs> The other one that I, I want to get to it now because otherwise I'll forget, um, which I feel bad for, is uh, there was a storyline that's really kind of heartbreaking in the film. Is our lady um, the? Uh, oh yeah. I'm trying to think what her character name is because they're all just. Uh, lady who jumps off the second fl- <laughs> or third Bis- floor. Biscuit woman is what she's credited as. Yeah, right. Uh, she likes biscuits and blowjobs. <laughs> <laughs> That she, was the other. That she's was like one of the few characters that genuinely she has heart throughout the film. Like she's she's like again her, her delivery somewhat like you know she just says you know I, I'm good to blow you like I'll, I'll come up there just let me know just ring my number this is my extension. I but, think I met that woman at a bar recently. <laughs> like, well, not re- like recently within the past year before COVID wreaked havoc on society, but yeah. You definitely, yeah. Those yeah. people definitely exist in the real world. But she was also like her her character was just she was just lonely and looking for companionship and friendship really. Like so was this girl and she, in the bar? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but and you know she was trying to see because I guess I don't know what her role out in society was, but she just seemed like she just was one of those aw- awkward ladies that didn't know exactly how to. But she, I, that's one of the most heartbreaking stories in the film, and so. Incredibly delivered, though, by Yorgos in the in the moment that when she jumps out the window, that Colin Farrell's character just sees it as a chance to get his get in into the life of the heartless woman. It's the heartless woman as she's uh, credited as well. Just great, just very. The character names in the credits are exactly you know exactly what the film that boils them down to their their uh, their defining traits as the film sees them. Um, Is John C. Riley man with lisp? Lisping man, yep. Ah, that's close. <laughs> <laughs> you got lisping man, limping man, and uh, loner leader, the maid, short-sighted woman, hotel manager, loner swimmer. What's uh, Colin Farrell? Uh, he's David. He's the only one with the character name. Ah, uh, classic name, David. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah, I mean, he hits you over the head with it, but it, but in subtle ways, and it's... Uh, I, I read a comment on Reddit that it was like, why didn't he just convince that woman to have a scratchy lower back instead of like having to break his nose every day or whatever? Yeah. I think that's the thing. Yeah. I think he, the guy with the limp had a scratchy lower back. 
but maybe it was David. No, David's got David's got a skin issue. Like it's because he's he's like because um, when they go to go to town, the short-sighted woman and uh, Rachel's character, yeah, uh, yeah, he's getting the cream for him. So yeah, um, <sighs> yeah. could have convinced her to have a scratchy lower back instead of having to be blind. I guess that's the point of it, is you can't convince someone you've got to convince someone that you've got the issue rather than convincing someone else. Um, right. And that's maybe like where the criticism of our current society like loses a little bit of track because people fake being into stuff all the time. Well, I mean, I mean, the character who breaks his nose is obviously an interpretation of that. Yeah. But you would think more people would do that. That's what people do in our society. Yeah. I so. mean, people, yeah, you, you tell tell people or whatever you know it's just like oh yeah that sounds great even though it's like you're just not interested at all um or how's your day going do you care no obviously not and that's <laughs> what yorgos takes out of his film is those like pleasantries that actually help us get us through the day and it just cuts it right down to human nature and that's why it makes so many people uncomfortable i don't think he's a very popular director <laughs> yeah that's it. i mean he's popular in like film circles but like the, these films aren't for mass consumption yeah, and that's that's exactly what we need films like this for because it's 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 almost an essay on an idea, um, just done in film form with an absurdist kind of right. um, viewpoint to it. But in a way, it's like the people who are watching it already kind of like see through the game and know it, and the people who need to see it are the masses. Mm-hmm. But it's just like, the, but they would they wouldn't understand whatever. I was like, that's how it's always going to be in culture is the people who want to be cultured will be yeah and they'll be tested by the by works of art and the people who don't will watch fucking adam sandler movies yeah well that's why i'm i'm reading the zins the people's history of the united states again and i'm like reading them just like and just exactly that sounds about right the people that the people that need that the people that do read it don't actually need to read it even though it's just informing more of like how you understand the world the people that do need to read it are the ones that absolutely reject any all of the ideas yeah. that are actually you know that reject the existence of racism and things like that you know it's very obvious but so yeah it's it's the I- irony of art and uh, art and culture is that sometimes the people that really need to um you know take in some of this stuff don't because they just don't have the well it's, and i think everyone's got the mental capacity <laughs> go back to in bruges he's got the capacity to change um the boy is uh, i think a lot of them are fucking inanimate objects yeah. so <laughs> <laughs> i don't, yeah, I so, don't but know. if you if you you know people do have the capacity to change if they want to but if people don't want to and are flat out refusing to and um and do not you know you people can dumb themselves down as much as they want as well as they can smarten themselves up as much as they want everyone's beyond your own you know limitations whether you know you've got learn you know people have people perfectly fine people have learning delays and whatnot but if you Everyone has the capacity. Siri, shut up. Every, hey, <laughs> every man of time. Everyone has the capacity to, in, uh, you know, people could watch The Lobster and, and, and watch it a few times and gain an understanding of it, even if they don't have any belief in the things it's putting across. So it'll inform I don't them. know. I know some people who would never, ever get Well, it, yeah, I there think. is a percentage of people that just never, but yeah. I just, yeah, it is, it is unfortunate that the people like us that watch this film and go, oh, that's great because it's like it's informing some of the things. It's just, that's what... It, that's what art, unfortunately, is. Is that it will often be just um, ingested by the people that are already, already appreciative of it any, anyway. And um, you might catch a few people. You know, a lot of things do catch people on the outskirts. They're in the middle and looking for things and don't exactly know what they're thinking as, as well. But um, otherwise, it's just going to be unfortunately enjoyed by the people that are already 
<laughs> going to enjoy it, which is why these films become, you know, they're like cult films and and small indie films and and whatnot. And then the Lobster does have a pretty wide um, net, um, surprisingly. Anyway, I've seen it in a few different film groups, um, even some ones for the the. You the actually catch lobsters in traps, <laughs> not net. <laughs> no. <laughs> um. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, I mean, it is interesting, and I think there's multiple ways to enjoy it. I just also think that, like, what it really boils down to, pun intended on lobsters, um, is <laughs> that, like, there are people who search for the truth knowing that the, there is no actual truth, but you're still trying to gain understanding of it, and there's people who just think that they know it already, and it's, like, innately in them. And that's the bottom line. And the, the second, the latter half of those people, they're not gonna, they're not gonna search for meaning or anything because they think they already have it. So a film like this, a social criticism, does nothing for them. It, even if they understood it, they'd still say, "Well, this is what's wrong. Like, this is what's wrong with that criticism because I know everything." Yeah. But consciousness isn't even reality. So what do we even know anymore? Yeah, and that's very fair. Is that's what often is like. Yeah, it's very smart people get. You know, people that have the capacity for critical thought that just use it in the you know in, in ways to deny things rather than take them in would see a film like this and say, "Oh, that's the problem with people in society today is they they view love in such a they don't view it." Um, and it's just like, no, we do need to view relationships. Even if you know, I'm a, I'm a man in a relationship that I you know love my wife very much and have all the romantic feels, but I also understand there's a societal problem in forcing these things on people because people just have to have their own journeys and that's what like i love this film for is that it does criticize the idea of um you know what what has been a very very mainstream western tradition for uh, too long is that people you know once you hit 18 you should need to start dating and find love as soon as possible and have your kids and and be and and it's viewed as a it's, it's viewed as a normality a, a a way to be normal, like you know, if you know, whether it be job interviews or um, you know, going to a, 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 a mixer or something, you know, if you're married and got kids, it's a it's a point of con- conversation. Whereas if you're just a if you're just a guy, like if you're just a, a person that you know reads you know reads political books in a park and has a beer at the bar at you know noon and reads a book on your own and enjoys that, other people find that weird, and that's a that's a that's a damnation on our society. That kind of that kind of action, which is really good, is is self fulfilling, is seen as whereas if you if you can have a conversation about what your kids how your kids doing and and it's nothing actually about how you're doing that's normal and that's that's a real condemnation on society. Yeah, it's like talking about the fucking weather. <laughs> yeah, like it's not really a conversation. Nobody's weather. gaining anything about it because <laughs> the other person doesn't really give a fuck about your kids. Like, yeah, there's like maybe a few people, a few of my friends who have kids where, but I don't. And, and look, there Actually, is there is genuine conversations between good friends about their kids and stuff. That's great. Like you know, we were watching the baseball the other night, and one of our friends, the friends, baseball, yeah, in their friends, the groups, baseball, the baseball. <laughs> 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 You're sounding like a fucking dad already. <laughs> uh, we were watching the baseball the other night, and you wouldn't believe what this announcer said. <laughs> <laughs> That's some great. Uh, that's no, some great I believe you. Yeah, it's just like you, you know, you. people do have genuine conversation, but there is so much of so much of it that happens between people at barbecues that are kind of like you know, it's just formality conversations. It's not actually. What is a barbecue? It's, it's just not other actually, than a formality exchange. Yeah, unless it, unless it's in a public park, and then it's sometimes an exchange of racial ideas from Karens to, you know, you know what I mean. 
Um, yeah, I was at a wedding, a pagan wedding that I was in, um, and uh, just a little bit, and it was in a public national park, and just a little bit down the way, there was a like uh, baptism going on, yeah. a Hispanic baptism, so it was all in Spanish and stuff, and it was mm-hmm. just like, what? why are we talking about this? Why did I bring this up? I was talking about Unne- barbecues in a park, and then... <laughs> Oh, you were talking about like if you go to a park yeah. and like run into random people, and then, like that, it's an experience right there. Yeah. It's like there's a pagan wedding here, there's a christening going on over here, or I don't fucking know yeah. what it was. Anyway, <laughs> the lobster, twenty fifteen. We film knew that we knew this. We knew this pod was going to go this way because this is what this movie does: is it opens up so many questions about how we how we deal with society and how we how we cope with it as well because. Um, it fucked me up most my most recent watch (laughs) it was the third time i saw it in in my 30s it just hit differently because you feel like and that's another thing that like in society we're like conditioned to to believe is like you can only have fun and like live your life an exciting life when you're in your 20s it's like a lot of my 20s was boring I'd, i'd rather just keep it going and have a good time yeah so like i'm you know 32 now and i'm like you know, enjoying like me and you know, like planning for a move to the US, and I'm got all sorts of plans of things that I want want to do there. I want to get me and Andrea get there, you know, road trips and just some creative ideas, and just you know, life doesn't life can be what you want it to be, and that's kind of like what this film like what this film is saying that society denies is that you you know you've got to rigid, be so rigid in your boxes of how you get through life, um, and it takes all fun out of life too because these guys, you know, the uh, the the deadpan nature of the you know life just honestly seems quite horrific um in the in its uh you know just its boringness uh that they they're dealing with you know even the even when um at the start of the film david's wife tells him she doesn't love him anymore he's leaving he's just like okay like <laughs> imagine being boiled down to again pun intended uh down i mean to, honestly <laughs> down yeah. to that kind of that, that kind of level of just submission to the the societal norms that are there is that that you don't even show much emotion to that but maybe that's he does have the capacity for some emotion in the film so maybe that's just a sign that he was checked out of it too um who knows yeah i mean but it's also like showing that like a man that has emotion isn't meant for that world and that's another Mm -hmm. stereotype in this society which i think we're finally breaking um in the second decade of this i haven't even thought of that i'm so glad that i do this podcast with you (laughs) (laughs) but like yeah i don't even know where i was going with that but uh no it's a great thought though is it like we do yeah there is um there is a you're not supposed to and i think that cold-hearted woman could be part of it is like oh you're not supposed to have emotions if you're a man and if you do like like you're you're supposed to be stoic and it's like why are we still pretending that's a real thing yeah which we really aren't as much anymore but you said like i went on a few dates with this, I guess you would call her a woman. <laughs> I, would, I would maybe call her a cold-hearted woman. But um, she told me this story about, like, her ex-boyfriend, like, abusing her and, like, throwing her into a door and stuff. And I, like, almost started crying. And she's like, no, I hate that. Don't, don't, don't do that. It's like, well, you're telling me a fucking very sad story. Yeah. And I'm, like, ten beers deep. Which, again anyone who's listening probably understands where I'm like understands my general demeanor mm. but it's like you're telling me a fucking fucked up story about your past yeah and now you're mad at me for being emotional because I care about you yeah. like what 
Like, and yeah, that's like it's not like you're discounting. It's like yeah, she's obviously. But yeah, it's like you're allowed to be emotional, just as she's allowed to. You know, if she's telling you a story that's hard to hear, it's like, you know, she obviously has to. Well, it makes me sad because yeah. I think every woman has an experience like mm. that, which is fucked up. Yeah. And again, I get weepy when I drink. I'm surprised <laughs> I haven't cried on the podcast yet. I think I've been close. You've definitely, you've definitely been misty at times when we've just been talking. It's yeah. I get misty. It's. I'm. It's what. Miss, Misty Cups is a real thing that I will be doing after this pod. <laughs> <laughs> there, there's always tears in Misty Cups. But. Yeah, but yeah, the, the I think we we got into that with um, his character of David, and it's just like I think it's a very important moment in the film. And maybe we'll just close this like close this half of the pod out by mentioning just by seeing that he does have the capacity for emotion in that first part that that when the dog is killed. And he tries, he tries to cover it up still, which is again what you're saying about men and how you know men, <laughs> men are asked to act in society is that you know him showing some emotion for a, a close companion's death because it was his brother and a, a very loyal, very little good, good little doggo as well. <laughs> um, Great yeah. acting by the dog, by the way. Very like personified. Like it was. Yes, it's a, I thought the dog like looked seemed human. Yeah, and that's what's good. I wonder about how many it. takes it took, but yeah. yeah. That's what's good about good writing is when you just infuse that little those little lines about it being a brother. You just you you add your humanity from, from the viewer standpoint to know, knowing that's true as well. Yeah. yeah. So you know it's probably just a, a very well trained dog, but you you do just add that humanity to it, which is what which is what filmmaking the magic of film is. But I think it was important. Then there's another part, and and I think the the guy um, smashing his head against the pool wall to get a nosebleed is another part of the film. It does show that these like cracks, you know. These authoritarian style societal dystopian societies we see in films, even if people are submitting themselves to them, they find they they try to. It's because they can never they can authoritarianism doesn't work because there is even if you've submitted like beaten people loopholes beaten people into submission that they are kind of just sleepwalking through this dystopia. They do still have the natural human instinct to try and survive, which is the guy knew that he had to. He could see this woman that was swimming in the pool was, you know, he's attracted to her, and she's got nose young and attractive. Yeah. She's got nosebleeds, and his immediate thought was, "Hey, I can, I can, I can make my my, my nose bleed pretty easy, and 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 find my way in with her." Pretty and, easy, yeah. yeah. And <laughs> well, he shot. He showed it when uh, David walked in and says, says I, "I saw what you did," and he's just like smacks his head on the dresser and goes, "Is it is it bleeding yet?" Like. Very. Oh my god! Great acting, be... great acting moment there, by the way, too. Um, there, yeah, and again, it's the same with Killing of a Sacred Deer. The guy cast people who could Yorgos cast people who could play this the dryness of his scripts, and there are people who find both these films fucking hilarious. And I, I think the lobster is funny. Killing of a Sacred Deer is a little bit harder for me to find funny because it. Yeah. You're just trying to understand what's going on. Hmm. I mean, it's just a simple t- tale of revenge, but there's so much else going on. Again, living in a dystopian society, it seems like, but I forgot where I was going. That's going to happen. <laughs> I'm drinking Fat Orange Cat's uh, Baby Kitten from uh, North Haven, Connecticut. So that's the. Also, Miller High Life, as always. <laughs> <laughs> I've got a, I've got a um a South Australian one called, from Woolshed Brewery. I think I drank it on last week's pod. That um yeah, yeah. Uh, black cans. Yeah, Firehouse Stout. 
So it's got yeah, like, you definitely did. Yeah, and it's got like there's... it's got cold drip coffee in there because it actually it's got this beer contains caffeine with like one cup of coffee signature on the side. So it's like and it very much tastes like a stout with a strong coffee roasty flavor. So it's perfect. David's drinking four locos. <laughs> <laughs> I I think after the pod last week I referred to it as cocaine in a can because I could not sleep. Like because after pod last week I was recording. Yeah, I felt bad. I was like, don't do that. Just don't drink that. Like you don't have to do that. Like we're good. It's a good pod regardless. But no, I wanted beer, and that's what like you know when it's cold. I mean, it's nine forty four a.m. now, and it's like coffee. You like the stouts? It's, it's, yeah, I love stout, and I needed something that was going to keep me awake too. Unfortunately, it kept me awake to two hours after, and I went to went to work with like three hours sleep. <laughs> yeah, look, you know, well, just crack one the next morning, and then you're good to go. <laughs> I did have one when I was Liverpool with the trophy. So, um, wait, yeah. did that happen? No, it's a dystopian society. <laughs> There was nobody there, man. You tell me. <laughs> <laughs> I've got the receipts. Yeah, all right, we'll talk about it. We have another. We have a different podcast. We'll talk yeah, about we'll, that. Yeah, we'll get to that. Um, or if but, we never talk about it, I'd be fine with it. Oh uh, yeah, we'll, I'll get Vince and Matt on for that one, and you can just you can just drink and. and oh, I need to be on and it. Yell. <laughs> if you're gonna do that, dick suck. <laughs> 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 Uh, need to bring you lads back down to uh, earth (laughs) even though it's a terrible place to be right now (laughs) (laughs) Um, but yeah just to finish out this this half I just figured it was important to note that those those kind of moments this half (laughs) (laughs) Uh, I didn't even deliberately if we ever had any listeners they're done now that that started the Ted Lasso (laughs) shit they're done with us it has to be that way (laughs) And I will keep doing it. Hey, it's our podcast. Oh we, we, we don't we don't even have sponsors to uh, to adhere to, so it's literally Miller High Life. <laughs> if you got the time, we've got the beer, Miller beer. <laughs> I just drank it. I I just drank it after one of these baby kittens, and it tastes like a stock of corn liquefied. <laughs> Mate, it tastes like liquid corn. Uh, Nebraskan kid. That's, that's <laughs> started from the bottom. Now I'm slightly above the bottom, but still pretty far down there. <laughs> uh, well, I'm trying to work out how I was finishing this half of the pod. Just uh, imagine if I was at this hotel. Basically, like, what in God's name would be would I have in common with anyone? It's like. Like that's like why it's such a good criticism is because it's like ha- like well, I could obviously is... fake something, but yeah, well, that's I'm not what it is. banging so, my nose. So many people are being turned into animals because you see it kind of in the forest, like all the, the fucking peacocks and camels. I'm definitely one of those, uh, the not the animals, but the people, the loners. But I would get buried, or I would get the uh, crimson lips or whatever they call it, crimson kiss or the red 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 kiss. Cr- red yeah. kiss is it? Is it crimson or is it red? I don't know. I'll find it. Um, I would definitely get that, but on my genitals. <laughs> <laughs> they did mention that, that that was a possibility if they find you. Uh, Nobody's the- done it. Nobody's yeah. had it happen. Yeah, that would be that. God damn, that would be rough. Um, yeah, I. Uh, that's where I think it lost the plot a little bit. I will say that's my criticism of it. Is that like the people in the forest should still like want 
to like be with someone that they care about if they, if it happens. Yeah, I but think the, that's just another criticism, and that's what led this absurd world that he's building is that like you know, there's no middle ground. It's like like there the the irony of the other side in this this you're world, right. this yeah. world is that. You know, the other, the one side is forcing you into companionship no matter what, and the other side is forcing you not to have companionship no matter what, and it's it's equally, it's punishable equally. Um, you know, by you know, by making you just it's just it's just showing how like the actual love is actually just not 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 something you can define and put it into binary terms as the film does, and that's what the the entire film is. I think is uh, when you boil it. I mean, there's a lot of themes going on, but I think that's the main thing there is that it's just you know when you when you're forced into finding it, it's hard to do because you just there's a pressure on you that makes you not genuine, which is what the you know nosebleed and and heartless woman all that stuff uh, represent. Biscuits. And then yeah, and then when the when you go to the loners and they they're forbidding it, and then you find someone that's um that you actually do have a connection with because that, that connection is very genuine and I'm sure we'll talk about it more in the second half but yeah that's second it. half second half um but yeah <laughs> I just... start doing it more subtly <laughs> but um yeah 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 you're right yeah that is yeah yeah and that's why I thought it was just important to note before we go to a break like there's moments of emotion and and trickery that some of the characters engage in show that no matter what this authoritarian dystopia shows is that the, the people people still have personalities even if they are are kind of subjugated to the point of you know almost not showing it but there is still personality between beyond the um the brainwashing submission that they're kind of living a day-to-day life it's always there um so right and it's a thing where it's it's like and it again obviously this is we've said it a million times and it's pretty over the top but it is a criticism of our current society where you know like if you're not with someone by a certain age, they think that you like live this like desolate life of like, no, you don't have any fun. You don't have any happiness. You don't, it's like, I mean, you can still have like a life without, you know, necessarily a mate all the time. So yeah. I, I mean, it's just a commentary on everything that we're expected to be. Um, and what we, what we of ourselves expect to be when we're younger, I think. I think I definitely thought I would be married with kids by 31, but I should not be a father right now. Everybody knows that. So it's like, you know, you never know what's going to happen, but like forcing, and honestly, in a way, it could be a criticism of just how we treat, you know, our entire world is that we send kids to school, teach them all the same thing, but they're all different people. But we're trying to force them into being the same person and meet up with another person who's taught the exact same things in the exact same school. High school sweethearts is the big thing that everybody loves. But it's like, dude, fuck that. I don't want to be married to somebody I knew in high school. <laughs> Actually, there's one chick, but that's a whole different story. I'm probably going to get canceled for saying chick. I'm sorry. It's just part of my vernacular, and I live on the East Coast now. <laughs> you immediately apologized for it and owned it. So, <laughs> um, I don't think chick's offensive. I, I don't mean any offense by it. It's just yeah. another word for woman, which yeah. is... Yeah, and you were talking—you were talking about high school, which is kind of vernacular, right there as well. So, yeah, um, we'll take a break now and get back to. I'm sure there'll be some. I'm, I'm looking forward to actually talking about the relationship of um, short-sighted woman and David, because <laughs> um, and then just the yeah, getting is Andrea short-sighted by any chance? Not that I know of. Bummer. That'd be very romantic <laughs> in the least romantic film ever. <laughs> 
Um, no, her field her field vision is pretty good um, with football. So I'm well, she yeah yeah. Still in those twenties. The eyes are good in the twenties. Yeah, I might have still going around. You can cut all this part out if you want. <laughs> got away from me really quickly. No, nah, no, nah, it's all good. <laughs> it's 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 the podcast. Um, podcast. <laughs> all right, we'll be right back after a quick break here. Hello, I'm the hotel manager and this gentleman is my partner. We'd like to welcome you. You're one of the lucky ones. You have one of our superior rooms, which means you have a view. Did you read the leaflet? Yes, I did. Very good. Now, the fact that you'll turn into an animal if you fail to fall in love with someone during your stay here is not something that should upset you or get you down. Just think as an animal, you'll have a second chance to find a companion. But even then, you must be careful. You need to choose a companion that is a similar type of animal to you. A wolf and a penguin could never live together, nor could a camel and a hippopotamus. That would be absurd. Think about it. I understand this discussion is a little unpleasant for you, but it is my duty to prepare you psychologically for all possible outcomes. Now, have you thought of what animal you'd like to be if you end up alone? Yes, a lobster. Why a lobster? Because lobsters live for over 100 years, are blue-blooded like aristocrats, and stay fertile all their lives. I also like the sea very much. I water ski and swim quite well since I was a teenager. I must congratulate you. The first thing most people think of is a dog, which is why the world is full of dogs. Very few people choose an unusual animal, which is why they are endangered. A lobster is an excellent choice. Second half of the Pirates of Popcorn <laughs> podcast. God, people hate us. Um, what well, you got that you're going on there headphone-wise? <laughs> <laughs> Audio Technica. Um, not a sponsor. <laughs> just what it is. We uh, give so many brand shout-outs that we don't get any money from. Big orange cat. <laughs> My neighbors don't even know I exist, except when I podcast, probably. And they're like, Jesus Christ. This guy Does just this keeps kid talking- only show up at this apartment once a week? <laughs> He's just talking about big orange cats and second halves all the goddamn time. <laughs> all the time. Seems like film, though he doesn't really touch on, uh, you know, the key themes. <laughs> oh, we've hit plenty of key themes in today's podcast, probably... Key themes. <laughs> That's probably the one. Second half should come with a warning. <laughs> like, hey, this is usually when it goes off the rails. Yeah. <laughs> I, I guess not a good train. Train. Um, that was awful. Yeah. I'm not going to lie to you. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I was like, you're just making an ASMR <laughs> tone right now, and it makes no sense. You held it for way too long. <laughs> <laughs> the Lobster, 2015 film by Yorgos Loplop. <laughs> yeah. yeah, all right, cool. Yeah, I'll put a, I'll put a warning in for the second half. Then <laughs> that's what we've said on. Yeah, the Lobster. Um, we talked a lot about kind of like probably the existential uh, 
questions about relationships and how we see relationships in modern society and whatnot before the in the first half. But what you know, the heart of this film also has, even though it sticks to the dry tone throughout, the uh, there is a real warm, heartwarming uh, relationship between uh, David and the short-sighted woman, who was really well played by Rachel Weisz. Um, um, who an actress has been around a long time. I like, I loved her. Like, The Mummy is one of my favorite rewatchable films in yeah. my childhood, and she is. Um, my dad has not stopped talking about Rachel White since that movie came out, and we saw it in 1999. <laughs> <laughs> Andre, Andrea loves like we just like me and Andrea watched him probably you know back last year when she was living here at some point, and um, and we both were like, she's just great, and then like, obviously it's just The Mummy is one of those great childhood adventure movies that you know it's not it's not deep or anything but it's a great you know yeah. just one of those great you holidays. know the problem with you and andrea right now apart from the the covid keeping us apart you're on the wrong side of the river <laughs> <laughs> all right well that's my audio that's my audio grab for the <laughs> for this podcast it's very mean it's yeah. not, I thought about not saying it because it's mean. But, no, uh, no, that's... Again, this podcast is brought to you by Big Orange Cat in North Haven. Um, Firehouse yeah. in the Riverland of South Australia. There we go. Um, yeah, no. <laughs> uh, great. You're on the wrong side of the goddamn world. Yeah. For, for <laughs> There is a massive... Gigantic, like, we're literally on opposite sides. There side. is a massive, gigantic Pacific River in between. <laughs> <laughs> Have you seen the shot of the globe when they focus on just the Pacific ocean and like, you can hardly see any land except goddamn, like some of the islands like and Hawaii. fucking Australia, of course. Yeah. And upside down. And it's just like our entire world. There's just a big blue spot. Dude. Whenever I fly from Australia to the U S I'm just scared half the time. Cause you just, if you go to the, the radar map, you just for hours on end, you're just flying over water and there's like an occasional, there's dot- Bora Bora out there. So yeah, there's yeah. a dotted Island somewhere, <laughs> but otherwise you're just like, man, if like, if the pilot comes in and says, yeah, we've lost an engine. I'm going to be like, well, fuck. I hope lost Island is down there somewhere. Like, <laughs> That's smoke monster. Yeah. But like I would almost rather like fly over Asia and your and uh Europe and everything to get over here. Yeah. <laughs> I, I mean, don't know. I've never taken one of those really long flights, but I yeah. I mean I hear there should be alcohol. Um yeah, yeah. They, in economy class they don't like it when you abuse the free alcohol thing, but um Well don't Oh, I, I did. Thought it. this was America. <laughs> That's what I'll say over international waters. <laughs> I did. Well, I we my first international trip was to the UK in two thousand eight, and the the blokes that were at the wedding in Portland all those years later, which shows what you know you can make good friendships on random trips overseas. Um, we just happened to, like we only met on the trip over there, but our flights back just happened to be the same flight back to Australia. And so we, we booked, we made sure when we checked in for our seats, we got the seat like a row together. It was like me and those three guys and my sister was there as well. And um, we were like, yeah, we're just going to drink the whole way back. And at one point, about an hour before we flew into Sydney, no, it was probably an hour and a half, two hours before we flew into Sydney where they were getting off their flight and then we had to continue on to Adelaide. We were drunk anyway, but I was just like, I'll get, I'll get up and get us one more round. Um, so I went back to the galley and said, can I just get like three of my, th- you know, I think I said six more of the little like Johnny Walker, like tiny little... Little, little bottles yeah. and then some cokes and the lady just because she'd already served us a bunch of times 
And she just like just death stared me, then slammed the thing open, pulled him out, threw him at me pretty much, and just was like, get out of here. I was like, okay, so this is definitely our last round then. <laughs> she well, could, you she know, could there's only one shoot. way to find out if that's your last round. Yeah. But yeah, so just yeah. Ask the, for another so one. yeah, they just uh, you know, if you're in economy, they're not as they're not as generous with the free alcohol is what I'm saying. Because we weren't even we hadn't had a bunch, we just kind of been steadily drinking throughout the flight. You know, keeping the buzz going and enjoying. That's a long ass flight. I once yeah. dated a woman, won't say her name, but she lived in Australia for a little bit. She was flying back, um, took a Xanax after having some drinks, and farted herself awake on the. Uh... <laughs> so. Yeah. Um, yeah. Well, this this flight. All was, right. Yeah, the lobster. Um, they have. Pla- yeah. I'm sure there's planes taking you to different hotels in that movie. Um, well, who know what is going on? Like wh- nobody, like that's a big reason why I was like, let's do the lobster, but like you should watch Killing of a Sacred Deer too, mm-hmm. because it's just, like what is this world that Yorgos has created that we just? I find it like, yeah, I find this interesting. Uto- this uh, no, it's not utopia is the wrong word. This dy- dystopia, sorry, that. Um, they're trying to have a utopia. Yeah. Uh, the the interesting thing about it to me is that you've got like about four or five different accents um, there. That it's almost like this world isn't. There's no definition of place. Um, the countryside. It does seem like the UK, but who yeah, knows? that's like the countryside and the tone and like the uh, when they when they're walking along that road, it's very it's very UK, possibly Highlands kind of place. So um, but the ocean looks cold. Yeah, but you've got like the you know the heartless woman's got some kind of European accent there, and you've got Colin Farrell who's obviously um, Irish, and you know Olivia Coleman's hotel manager, uh, very well played by her by the way. I'm a big fan of her as an actress. She, she, her as a person, when you see her on talk shows, she's just fucking hilarious as well. She's very um, very good at the fact she won an Oscar. Yeah, just... she's got an incredible sense of humor and a, and a great actress, but. Um, yeah, you gotta just, see the favorite. Yeah, I, I do. I, I, I should have probably watched that one in the lead up to this one, but we just kind of we went with the, the killing a sacred deer as the companion one to, even though we're talking about lobster just as one for. Well, that's time. a period piece, even though like Yorgos didn't care about the period really. He just wanted to like be able to film where they filmed, mm-hmm. and he didn't like care if the co- like it's because he said it was not a period piece. He's like, this is just about <laughs> like. Humanity, yeah, and it is, yeah. I mean, it's fucky, but it's not as fucky as the two we've talked about today. Yeah, um, yeah. It's an interesting world that, like, you know, it's not. There doesn't seem to be borders as far as you know, because the accents. And that's what I like about films like this is if you if you embrace kind of the the unique world you're going to, then that stuff doesn't matter. You know, continuate con- continuity and and theme about or uh, you know place and stuff like that doesn't matter if if you actually embrace kind of this dystopia you know it's it's almost like it's it's countries that don't countries don't exist it's just people are where they are um and the accents are just it kind of the, the accent difference um whether it was deliberate or not um lends itself to the um kind of the wildness of it to me i found that I don't, it's not even something i intended to bring up just something you said just for some reason triggered that thought in my mind it was just a quick thought i had watching the film that the accent the accent difference was just a really great way of just even further removing this this world from ours even though it's so close to it um yeah i think if everyone had tried yeah it makes you wonder if there's tr- like yeah if everyone had tried to have the same accent it would have actually made it worse to me whereas if you just ex- right. embraced everyone's just speaking in their own accents with this deadpan delivery it, it just worked so it's another another little subtle way of how just wonderful this film is in in in, in its absurdity in that sense. 
It also goes to show that, like, how big being in a couple is in that culture is that, like, all of these different accents are being forced into the same place to try to find love, like, you would assume. I mean, if we're going to get, like, really into it, you have to assume that there are hotels like that across the globe, but, like, does that glow, like, does this even take place on Earth? It's so different from... You know, this, it's a similar concept to what's going on on Earth, but it does, like I said in the first half, that it feels like a parallel universe. Yeah, yeah, and it's very, very much, um, yeah. Without, it's it's ambiguous in its nature in that sense, but yeah, it, to me, it feels kind of it's halfway between a parallel universe and the um, the Ma- the original Mad Maxes a few years from now. Like it's just like there's just that's the last one we did. Yeah, well, yeah, Fury Road was a... Yeah, we probably recorded... What if they exist on the same goddamn planet? Well, that would be wild. <laughs> um, yeah, I guess, yeah, it may, I mean, maybe if you think of, uh, you know, Yorgos's, uh, you know, the lobster, that being actually the UK and then Australia all the way over there just being a fucking madhouse of uh, dystopia in a completely different way. It could... You could make that argument. I'd, I'd write that fan fiction. <laughs> Max just ends up on a boat to the UK. What world would you rather live in? Oh God! I think the Mad Max world because it's like it's just yeah. I I'd yeah probably, I think you'd be I better at that. Th- we I, talked last week. I would I'd die immediately. So <laughs> I'm definitely picking the favorite. I can definitely make my nose bleed. I'd probably take on a cocaine habit or something. <laughs> I'm just. Breaking, breaking movie to say that I'm opening up a Cage Diver IPA from Beer Garden Brewing in South South Australia. You'll get there one day with them. You're just not there yet. You, you do too many syllables. I know. I, I, I am too ambitious, and, I, and I'm like, usually when I have ambition... Adelaide. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. God. It's got, Imagine... a, it's got a fucking shark on the label, though, so that's fucking awesome mine has cats like <laughs> the baby form of cats yeah. imagine someone listening to this podcast it happens we get a, we get a few each week so <laughs> i don't know where few <laughs> whoever 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 the few few listen i can't do it uh, <laughs> whoever the few of you are we appreciate we appreciate we appreciate you and and love you for it because we are just rambling about a film at this point which is what wait hey the the important part is always in the first half yeah the second half is for me (laughs) i've I've established that from the beginning (laughs) um i do want before we go completely off the rails um to talk yeah to talk about the relationship that i i think i mentioned about 10 minutes ago before we started getting into random tangents again again find some popcorn on brand yeah Um, we talked about some wild shit (laughs) (laughs) yeah i think i think that this film does and i mean i think once we talk about this we'll get may get into the ending just because it kind of naturally flows onto it but um the relationship there does show that like you know your yorgos's whole thing was like you know criticizing the conformity of society to um being forced into relationships but also he does show in this that love isn't a real thing that does exist and that it is just that you find it in the most you know it's often found in non-traditional ways because it's just a natural human emotion which right you, know, you, you can't force on people it's just it comes when it when it when it hits and 
and these guys and often and you know sometimes it is in in times of trial and stuff that you do just and, and you're really really not looking for it because obviously uh david colin farrell's david escapes this hotel and goes and commits to this loner life that um comes with this very its own rigid set of rules and and he explicitly says you can't you know you can't um, have intercourse or you know on love and kiss or whatever you can't have any sort of relationship you can't flirt whatever with anyone else and then right after that is when he sees this you know beautiful woman across the, across the way and she sees him and they both have an in- instant connection and they create a language yeah, okay. you know you know yeah, yeah they create a language and they and when they when they actually get to act as lovers and they really are then they there's passion and and there's a break from the traditional stiffness of the entire movie especially when they're making out on the couch and they finally get uh, Leah Sadu who plays the uh, plays the um, the leader very well. Um, yeah, I want to talk about her. Yeah. Uh, but go ahead. But yeah, but you know she stops them eventually. But you know there's there's you know the entire stiffness of the film is broken when they have their even though their their delivery to each other is very um still very dry. Um, but their their moments of of showing their love like even the first time when they're in the apartment talking to the parents and they're just like. Colin Farrell was like, "Oh, she's very good at like, they they come up with this whole story and I can't remember exactly what the story is, but he says, "Oh, she's very good at this and 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 like he's and he's just making this up and he's flowing with it, and it's his feelings even though he's making up a story. He's making up a story of his ideal life with her and he's and it's and it is his light in his eyes and his passion in his voice when he's delivering this that isn't there in the rest of the movie and it shows that's what love is is like just this passion that flows forward and you can't stop it and 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 she does the same thing. They're kind of awkwardly grabbing at each other's hands and touching and leaning on each other. And that's just like, and that's because they don't know what love, what love is and how to physically. But they they know that their instinct is to show it to each other as well. And to really, well, they're also like teenagers where they just yeah. want to like rip each other's clothes off. And you're just, <laughs> it's just completely hormones. Like yeah. that's also going on. And it's, I I do just get the vibe from the leader of the wild people i don't know what to call them they call the, the people the, the, the lo- the they call the loners in the synopsis as the, the loners I, I, I just so. like also like get the feeling that she is a lesbian and that's kind of like a critique no, the other on the, how- the other l word <laughs> yeah call back <laughs> this is why you listen to the podcast not for the last 10 minutes um <laughs> <laughs> but no i just like got that feeling and then like because of how into that maid she is from the hotel. Yeah. Maybe she's just in, I, I mean, there's a lot of reasons why she could be into her, but like, that's like also a critique on how we view our society is that even at this hotel, or at least how Yorgos views, views our society, which I think is pretty spot on, mm-hmm. is like at the hotel, you there is same sex, like you're supposed to be treated as equal. But this woman who might might happen to be a lesbian has always felt different in her entire life because she is a lesbian because they're, you know, that's what society has kind of dictated our entire lives, which is fucked up, but it's just a reality. Yeah. Well, it's and a, it's the fact that so she, yeah, sorry. You, you so finish. She, yeah. but no, I mean, the point is there is that like, she sees this society that is making everybody into the same thing basically. And she's not allowed to be part of it. And so, she doesn't want anybody to experience it, well, which is not like a criticism on like lesbian culture or anything like that. I'm just saying, like, I think that's why Yorgos chose to like have her be interested in that maid. In my opinion, that's how I viewed it. And that like she felt alienated from even being part of the hotel, which is already alienating people. Fuck, 
again, fat cat, fat orange cat brewery. Okay, right but the, the hotel does give the option of like it's, it's. They do, but what I'm saying is, but the, that's the thing is like maybe if she hadn't, maybe she chose differently at that time and then realized she had feelings for the mate. Like, is that where you're going with it? Because that's what that's what. No, part of, but yeah, that makes sense too. Yeah, I like mean, what, where I'm going. Yeah. Because, yeah, the hotel asks you to go into boxes, whereas love can never be put into a box. So maybe she, maybe like she might, might just be. Sexuality is a spectrum. Yeah. So it's like who, like people, you know, people don't really understand themselves when they're forced to make a decision at that point. You have to, like, it's like kind of almost like a kid, like choosing a major when they're 18 years old when they don't know anything. It's mm-hmm. like if you have to choose something, you know, maybe you hate that. Yeah. Two years down the line, there's a lot of people who thought they were straight until they were 18 and ended up gay. Yeah. So it, that's easily what could have happened there. Yeah. yeah. So, but since she feels completely alienated from the whole system, which I think if you are a gay person in American society, you're going to feel alienated no matter what, even though it is more accepted now. Mm-hmm. It's kind of my point of, of what I'm making is that I think he I chose her. Want, to be- I also wondered if she got burnt because she seems really like militant about her views and so whether she and maybe it maybe she got burnt by the maid and maybe the ma- she made an advance and but then but her her stringent society that she's built with these loners in the forest seems to have been there for a while and that because there's a there's absolutely a, there's, yeah. an e- there's an ethos there to how they you know digging your graves and all that stuff and um i yeah it's it's an interesting i hadn't really unpacked much of her backstory in my head as to how she might have got to where she was but it, it's and whether it was just a that she does just have an affront to everything the hotel is and has built her own rules around denying that. But then, yeah, they, they, she does seem to have feelings for them. Like, there is something there that made. So it's like, it's an interest. So she's kind of having to deny her own feelings too at times, I think. And and, and she there's And then there's yeah. a jealous jealousy for anyone that does get to experience things. Because you see more... Exactly. Of, you see more and more people throughout, like, just some, there's some um, static shots of... The group sitting there, and you know, earlier on, you see the a couple that had the 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 band aids on their lips, and then there's later on there was another group, um, um, and and sometimes when you're seeing that those two people with the red lips sitting there, then there's a camel or a peacock walking behind them, showing others that the animals are. It's yeah. really it's really absurd kind of um, cinematography in those scenes and 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 shot shot direction, which is really great with the animal. It's very uh, dreamlike almost in a way um even even in its in, in, yeah. in its uh, kind of dreariness as far as how it's shot but um yeah it's 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 an interesting probably backstory to have to not that i know much about it but yeah her her backstory and how she got to where she was would be an interesting story in its own right well i think it's not a surprise that they chose like her parents like maybe her parents are like super strict religious people which mm-hmm. could be another commentary on our society of like if you're raised by strict religious people even if you have to like all right i need to phrase this correctly because there's a lot going on in the old dome but like <laughs> like if she is gay but her parents are super religious and she had to hide it for so long and they expect her to marry a man, which this, this ideology exists right now still. Um, and so she had to like, rather than like, she didn't want to upset her parents. So rather than going to the hotel and being paired up with a man who she knew she would never be compatible with because she likes women, then she started this thing. And I mean, 
There's a lot going on in this movie, uh, like just below the surface. The surface is it hits you over the head, but um, I think her character is one of the most interesting because she does seem like she is a lesbian, and that that is part of why she is the way she is. Yeah. Is and I again, I think that's why they chose her parents who like do their little dumbass duet together in front of everybody while Colin Farrell and Rachel Weisz make out. Like. Yeah. I mean, I think that's why they chose it, is to show, like, hey, this woman's from a traditional family, and this traditional family expected something out of her, and so now she's faking being something rather than actually going through with it, because that's not really who she is. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, I wanted to just go back to a couple of things before we get to the ending that I almost forgot about, but a really great scene um, is when they kind of raid the hotel and, and instigate a couple of lovers' quarrels, um, we see the first of all is like um, David volunteers. He wants to go to the yacht because I wanted he, to talk about this as well. Yeah, um, and he explicitly tells and you know they're sitting there not at all like because they they really don't have anything in common anyway. And obviously it's a built on a lie with his uh, uh, Ben Whishaw's character's uh, uh, faking of nosebleeds. And so David gets in there and um, breaks it down. <laughs> and then and the daughter that's sitting there just like I get, I get this guy to leave but uh do they make it after that like i wondered you know, they're obviously their relationship's super stiff and obviously very stiff straight away and you see it when they they get given a child after it's explicitly said that if you have problems you get given a child so the, that relationship obviously had immediate problems i i went two ways with this in my mind i was like i wonder if after david breaks the truth about how the nosebleeds happen for the limping men. Does this actually open up some honest truth between the two people? And then do they maybe, you know, post movie, you know, it's, it's just left very ambiguous that they just, and it, and to me, like the whole relationship looks like they have nothing in common actually. And they probably doesn't, they don't make it, but it would be an interesting story to extrapolate afterwards as if they do have honest conversations after, you know, the, that that truth is broken down. I also think the limping man's a bit of a bit of a douchebag anyway. So, because um, he does, he, right. he does, he does have that harsh talk to both uh, John C. Riley and Farrell about what would actually happen to their animals. They've got their romanticized notion of it, and that's... well, John C. Riley and him literally get into it. Yeah, fisticuffs. <laughs> but uh, yeah, I don't know. I honestly never even thought about that man beyond um, because I you're so into Colin Farrell and. Um, Rachel Weiss, you're and John C. Riley for me, mm. especially after this poster scene, I feel for him. But uh, yeah, I haven't really thought of it. I'd like you get on those yachts when you just take it out to sea and just live with that person. Like even if like you just lie about it, right? Mm. You just be like, I don't actually have nosebleeds, but thank fuck we're away from society. Yeah, <laughs> I'm sure that's not part of it. Yeah. But uh, oh, a big reason I'm glad you brought up that scene where they raid the hotel is um, first of all, when they say out of like how much do you love them out of 15, which is just super fun. Like it just, it's just like, I feel like it's a wink to the audience just to show how fucked up Yorgos's mind is mm-hmm. and like comedic mind is like, when is the scale of 15? Yeah. Ever a fucking thing? I, like I what that the, I, like, that really stuck out to me the last time I watched it too. It was just like, this is part of the absurd nature of how he writes and sees the world as he just, takes normality and just turns it on its head right and i do think it's hilarious but i also think it's like it's also a very telling moment when she says 14 out of 15 because i think that's a lot of people Mm -hmm. how many people are gonna say i know you're married so 
might be touchy or whatever, but like, how many people are gonna say like that? Every like their situation is ten out of ten or fifteen out of fifteen. Like it's like that's not reality. No relationship is perfect, and nothing in life is perfect. So it just shows that the entire flaw of the system is right there in front of you. Is that you can't create a perfect romance? Yes, yeah. and I guess that. Well, I guess that's the other thing though. Is like I would. I would say fifteen out of fifteen, even if there's the flaws, because my the deep love is there. God, damn it! No, <laughs> <laughs> but that's like, and that's I think that's what he's showing is that there's a flaw there. Like they're like, oh, it's almost perfect, but then like her honesty couldn't keep her from, like their relationship actually isn't perfect at all. And even though she was trying to say, yeah, no, I do, that it's obviously theirs is built on a lie. So she couldn't actually, she couldn't actually. They're all built on a lie. She though. couldn't fully commit yeah. to the lie even in that moment, which is nuts because she should be able to. Whereas. You know, people that are actually in love can say, "Yeah, while while there's obviously you know no relationship is ever perfect, we do like the un- the deep under- understanding of each other is that no matter what we're together." So it's a fifteen out of fifteen in that that part of it. But she yeah, could, I mean she, that's she couldn't, that's part she of couldn't it. commit to that because it's not actually there. And then he pulled the trigger on the gun. So like that shows right. how right. And this is the two up. different opinions between a married man and a single man. <laughs> <laughs> it's like I just feel like she couldn't like under the threat of dying for not being honest. She couldn't be like, you know, she had to like say like, hey, yeah, this isn't perfect. Yeah. I'm just making it happen. And I think a lot of people would say that in this country about their marriages. It's like, you know, we're just making this happen. David's yeah. looking at a beer. Sorry, I was, I was, it's very clothy. But it's good He's very know. into sharks. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah. Well, that brings me to my question. Yeah. Is if you're at this hotel, what would be your animal? I knew this one was coming, and I was just—I—I I thought about it, and all I could come back to was like, I'd just be a dog because I'm a bit... dark. Oh, dog! <laughs> Probably like yeah. Now, like I'm looking. Oh, to be honest, actually, look. Now that I get deeper into it, like my just my surface thought was because I'm a basic bitch, I'd just be a dog. Um, but short lifespan. Thinking about it more deeply, maybe because shark is probably the animal around the world that I'm actually the most scared. Like all my life, I've been deeply scared. Like it's why I, I've. Well, you want to be scary? No, but like I think that would be like the old like it's not that I want to actually eat people or anything like that. It's the well, sharks really don't eat. Yeah, people. I just think that would Jaws be... freaked like, everybody. It's out. like this the only animal that I could be that would just yeah, it would like be it would be facing my fears in the sense that the one thing that I'm scared like I'm I don't do much ocean stuff as a human like you know people that like I. I it's fucking scary i've snowboarded and stuff and like i've liked the idea of wanting to, like the idea of surfing sounds good but then it's just like oh a surfer lost his leg today i'm like i don't want to fucking like i get like i don't blame surfers for enjoying it but then i'm like i don't i don't have that part of my mind that can that can uh work with that risk and go yeah i i know that i might get like fucking attacked by a shark but i can work with that for my hobby i can't do that so and then even just the ocean scares me um in many ways there's a lot of things about it like drowning scares me sharks scare me the like the kraken i was just talking yeah (laughs) the seattle hockey team scares me Um, (laughs) (laughs) they do i'm sure they're very Um, tough so i think like and yeah like shark like jaws is like i never actually like i was never like i'm not going to 
like go paddle in the water like at you know two feet in because i'm because it's yours like i was never that scared of it but just like the abyss of the ocean scares me and sharks are a big part of that so yeah a shark might be it that's okay yeah they live a long time yeah and like you just float around eat some fish and you know probably probably hang out in some pretty cool waters um before before oil spills fuck them over and yeah like you know, it's probably you like oily foods though, so you know, I just try this. <laughs> yeah, what's I assume you have an animal in mind since you've you posed the question? Elephant, for sure. You're very you're lots of reasons. Okay, lots of reasons. Let's let's get into them. First, you turn me into a goddamn elephant by that hotel. I'll fucking bash into it, and you're not stopping me because I'm a goddamn elephant. <laughs> bash. <laughs> and, like, I fuck up the whole system. Second, elephants have, like, they're the most, like, people, like, outside of dolphins. And I'm, like, not that into water. So mm-hmm. I'd rather be an elephant. Or, like, they're the most, like, like they mourn their dead. They have graveyards and stuff. And yeah. care about their youngins. And, yeah, they're just smart. They're a, they're a good being. And, like, if somebody tried to get my, my tusks, I'd have to fuck them up. Because uh, I understand human nature at that point. So yeah. it'd be, like, poacher from far away tries to come at me how many bullets do you think it takes to drop a fucking elephant i know i know buck hunter big buck hunter will tell you that it's only three but it's probably a lot more than that (laughs) but like and by the time i knew i was getting shot at by a poacher i just i'd mash them and i don't think there's that many poachers in the uk which is where this seems like it takes place yeah they all just have trank guns which you're not taking down a fucking elephant with so yeah, I'll fuck up that entire island if I have to. <laughs> so, yeah. Yeah. My second question. I was just going to say because, that you're, you're, fucking oh, up, go the, you're fucking up the system with the being an elephant thing just was a very good callback to the Equisapiens of Sorry to Bother You. <laughs> <laughs> you're just using, exactly. Yeah. Anyway, go ahead with your And also, question. elephants fucking up a system is a very, um, very broad... Um, metaphor for what the Republicans are doing to this country. Yeah. But uh, um, my bigger question, and this will this is more serious, is what happened at the end. Where where do you lean? Oh uh, yeah, I was hoping we get to that. Um, I like to think that in the in the moment that he was about to plunge the steak knife into his fucking eye, which is uh, nice. yeah. uh, easier ways to do it, man. Look, I've watched them. I've um, this is going to be a very deep cut for people that are listening to this podcast. It may not be horrible. Deep cut. Uh, Lucio Fulci likes to fuck with eyeballs in his horror films, and and if anyone's seen Zombie or it's got a few different titles, Zombie Flesh Eaters. It's a nineteen seventy nine film. It's really great for the horror fans. Um, there's a very very famous scene with a, a stake going into an eyeball, and uh, it's just. The idea, like, again, eyes are just something that when you, like, like when people get, like, you know, obviously Game of Thrones very famously some eye gouging. Um, that was just, it's just disgusting. And, like, so that scene, like, just the thought that's great filmmaking is when you just, you don't need to show it. And, like, it, obviously the ambiguity of the ending is part of it too. But just the thought of that is horrifying. So the ending of that film had some, some great weight by simply telling you what he was thinking about doing and showing him, uh, you know, trying to prepare for it. Uh, I like to think that in the moment he finally realized that maybe the, the the entire system that's been subjugating them throughout the film is just this that he's trying to to make similarities 
and maybe they could have a discussion about you know how the beyond itchy backs. Yeah, <laughs> or maybe they'll just go out and have a discussion that yes, you're blind, um, but I can, I can you know relationships with differences. Um, insert like obviously are, are what work a lot because people you know the differences balance each other out. Um, as long as it's not like differences of like you know you know racism exists versus racism doesn't, that's not going to work. But you know, if it's a difference of you know you're blind, maybe I can help you walk down the street to go to dinner together. Like that, you know, is very obvious to us um, out here. But uh, but it is also if you go to the dark, I I that's where I I don't have an answer for you. I like to think that that's what happened because I'm a positive thinker in that sense. Even though I'm very cynical about the world a lot, but that's what I like to think. I was gonna say, yeah, uh, our former podcast would. I'm, Maybe I'm, 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 I'm very, I'm very cynical. But when it comes to movies, I like to romanticize endings that are ambigu- amb- that have ambiguity. But then I did also think that um, the cynical side of me was like, no, he plunges a stake knife into his eye to perpetuate the system that he's, he's so, he's so, even though he's broken from it in certain ways because they've run away from a system that is subjugating him. So, like they've they've escaped something which is like is rebellion against the system. But then the brainwashing of the system is that he should be blind to be with her, which is just, yeah. So there's, like I I've got very, I've got two very different endings in my head that are very clearly thought out of how they end, um, depending on how, what I'm feeling on the day. So yeah, I like to think that um, there's some revolutionary, like my revolutionary side of my mind that is hopeful of somehow breaking free of, this world that we have at the moment likes to think that he he had a moment of realization as he's as he's looking in the mirror with a steak knife ready to plunge into his eye. He goes, maybe this isn't a good idea. You know, it's what it feels like, right? Yeah, <laughs> seems like that's twenty twenty in a nutshell. <laughs> so, what's your where 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 do you sit on it? I know I didn't give you an answer. I just gave you what my uh, the two sides of a coin, depending on how I how I feel. On the yeah, day. well, I'll be. Blunt. Not like the steak knife, though. Eh? <laughs> oh, yeah. It's just about... <laughs> that's why we do the podcast. Uh, <laughs> I think he left. I do. Oh, you just think... I do. You think he just fucking, like, bailed? <laughs> Christian Bale, dude. <laughs> that's cold. <laughs> yeah, just like these beers but i do i think he left i think that's why yorgos went back to that shot of her like mm. faking it yeah yeah i don't think there's an answer though yeah and, 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 and there's no answer to anything let's get fucking weird about it there's no like there's no answer to what is reality so it's like that's what life is it's just whatever like it's- reality you want it to be it will be yeah that's uh, I so I can't say, but I do think. Yeah, because I, I could write a fu- I could write a fully formed like narrative of what their post movie life looks like if he de- if he decides to suddenly have a moment. Blind of- himself? No, no, I, like no. I was talking about these moment of clarity where they have discussions about you know life and what this this world has been to them and how he can help her out and how that that they don't have to this physical difference doesn't have to be is something that can actually be what brings us together rather than breaks us apart. You know, like there's there's all the discussions you could write it. You know, you could write a postscript for the film, but then I could also write the the very cynical continuation of what the world is. You know, he blinds himself, and then now now you've got me just thinking that he's just a douchebag that's going to leave. But I I don't think he has that capacity in him, but maybe he does. 
The boy has the capacity. I don't know. It's like, again, what is society here? Yeah. He faked it with that, like, <sighs> insane woman. So it's like... You have the capacity to become an even bigger cunt. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I do. So I was talking about... I was not talking about you, but hey, like, take it on board. <laughs> podcast is a duo. Uh, yeah, I it just felt that way. Just yeah. like her, like helplessly looking, it just felt like. Yeah. Also, like, you know, where are you a lobster? Are you able to be caught or not? I bet there's some lobsters out there that are having a great time. <laughs> Ugly motherfuckers, but you know, just whatever. Yeah. I mean. If the option is being, and that, and again, this is part of the thesis statement of this film, if the option is being with someone you're not supposed to be with and making it work, which a lot of fucking people do, or being a fucking animal of your choosing, by the way. Again, elephants live a long time. A lot of animals live a long time. Yeah, I didn't Why would you not choose the animal? I, don't, I didn't look up how long sharks live, so I didn't really think it through. There's a shark that's like 600 years old. Fucking down. But also they to gauge its age, it's by the UK. But to gauge its age, they took a slice of its eyeball. So, you know, that's part of it. But, you know, you live 600 years, you got to expect part of your eyeball to be gone. Yeah. You know, it's just, so. But that shark's still out there. It might be 400 years. But either way, that's he's a fucking dinosaur. I am, yeah, I'm genuinely just picturing this shark as like this fucking just scarred up motherfucker that's been involved. He's like, I've well, been, you nailed it. I've the been, water that he lives in is green, like St. Patty's Day beer. Yeah. So it's like, you're home already. You, a shark was a good call. <laughs> <laughs> they have endless amounts of teeth that just like keep going. Like, so. Yeah. Their body produces it. I'm looking up that shark. I'll send it to you. Yeah. Um, did you have any other questions for the film? Um, no, my dumbass was, uh, oh, it's in Greenland, the shark. Oh, okay. 512 years old is the oldest one. You kind of look like him, to be honest with you. (laughs) (laughs) This is what you look like after six ciders. Yeah. Oh, God. Yeah, I get very green. Um... I wanted to, there's one last thing I just from this essay that I, I think people, that anyone that listens to the pod that wants some further reading, it's not, it's only a short, it's just a short little blog post. It's not, it took me a, like a couple of minutes to read. So um, it's just got, it talks about a few different themes and, and breaks them down into parts and talks about some absurdity and uh, the study of absurdity and whatnot. But then also brings up like you know, a film that has very much a ty- tyrannical, it's called he labels the part tyranny without a tyrant and that's what like society it's very much a criticism of society the film that we do live in a you know society we don't have like i don't know you could i think we could look at some world leaders right now and say they're tyrants but society for the last at any given time yeah, yeah. but for uh, the the sub the subculture of society sorry not subculture there's the subconsciousness of society and, and whether you talk about religious doctrine or other or other societal norms that that dictate how we should live, even if it's not how it feels right, is is very much tyranny without a tyrant. Um, and this film really does just explicitly show. I think it's something that we need to all like think about. And it's just like my closing thought, I guess, on the film myself is that 
you know, the societal norms, um, you know, like, you know, people that want to get married and have kids and it genuinely makes them happy. And if they find a partner in that, that's, everybody that's great. Does, but the, 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 but the, the tyranny without a tyrant that we live in in this world is that we, we are all, you know, people that aren't, don't want to do those things. We, we subconsciously force them into feeling a guilt for it or, or otherwise, um, you know, and not being true to themselves. And I think this is what this film does so much of is like showing that, you know, we've got a, you know, this it, it very boi- again it boils it down to a, a binary way of showing it, but um, it's a warning to how how we treat people is that um, we you know look at surface things and not not look at the deeper person and you know although I I don't think it's it, you know there's there's a you know you could do an entire essay of how this do this movie deals with mental health um, mental health problems in the world because we don't you know you don't actually look at the person inside you just look at the surface issues and. And all sorts of things, you know, it's physical ailments is very much the thing of the film rather than rather than what the person is underneath. And yeah, the tyranny without a tyrant, um, whether, you know, even if you think that, you know, obviously at the moment in the world, the moment we're living in, we have some very, some very public figures that we can look at as tyrants. But um, I'd encourage people to think even if you thought the world was, you know, the world was better five years ago or whatever it is that there was still a lot of societal norms that were um that were um very damaging to people that didn't that didn't that didn't uh fit into those it's know. always been fucked yeah so uh yeah i think this film's just important in that sense too and uh, this, like i said this is this, i'll put the link to this little short little blog post in the show notes for anyone to go have a squiz at and um see just see what um, someone's had a very it's a very sh- like i said it's only a couple minutes read but it's a very good um snappy um little look at the film to just open up a way to look at it too so yeah did you have any closing thoughts that i've forgotten to bring up before we get to the tomatoes <laughs> no i think you wrapped it up nicely there um obviously just the general idea of the American dream is tyranny, kind of like you were saying, and it goes beyond just relationships, which is, which are talked about in this film and the future of this film, but um, just the idea of it is tyranny on the mind. Um, and it's kind of like you said, without a tyrant. Um, but the American dream was created by a tyrant, maybe not a maybe not with ex- an exact face, but um, through a lineage of societal norms and stuff. So it is, like you said, yeah. Yeah. I, I agree with that. Yeah. Alrighty, tomatoes. Um, this is going to be an interesting one. Um, yeah, I'll get into them. All right. So, we got seven point two out of ten on IMDb, which is um pretty pretty uh, probably about where I thought it would be on this one because IMDb is very hard to get beyond the eights really. Metacritic has eighty two percent. Google users are seventy five percent, and Rotten Tomatoes is eighty seven percent. Wow, eighty seven. Yeah. Uh-huh. Which I think this film... That's probably... I would go around there, I think. Yeah, I... I, I would go 89 after I, the first time I viewed it. I would go with 90. I think it's... Classic. Yeah. Classic one-upsmanship. Well, it's probably one of the closest we've been on. I think there was one that we, we were pretty much spot on to each other, but... Um, <laughs> I find I find the Google users one actually really interesting. That means like 25% of people are giving it a thumbs down. Which I, probably makes sense because I'm sure there's a lot of people that are like, ah, oh, an absurd comedy. Colin with Colin Farrell, Rachel Weisz. Let's go see yeah, it. Yeah, let's go see yeah. it. And they've watched it and gone, oh, what the fuck did I just watch? It's probably those people that we're talking about that don't get this, that just don't understand this kind of art. Um, I sound like such a dick. <laughs> you don't get yeah, it. Yeah, I mean, we definitely a- sucked our own dicks on this podcast, <laughs> but it is a, like it is a good film, and there's a lot to be taken away from it. And there, when um, we both live in pretty stupid fucking countries, so like. Yeah. 
<laughs> call it, call it like it is. Yeah, yeah. Like, um, I mean, so yeah, it, 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 I'm not surprised at all to see that you know you've got 25 percent of Google users that aren't into it because that's just what like this kind of film isn't going to find everyone. But then I'm sure that it is catching people in its lobster traps. Um, <laughs> uh, find for, those on the East Coast. Uh, with Fat Orange Cat Brewery, yeah. North Haven, not on the coast, not catching lobsters, but close. Cage diver. Cage diver. Australians always trying to make everything so goddamn dangerous. It's like, it's well, everybody cool. This brew, this beer comes from Port Lincoln, which is a very big tuna fishing, like, remote city. And they literally... Put a tuna on it, then. No, but you then they, 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 but obviously with like where it is, there's, a lot, there's a lot of sharks down there too. They actually have two different, my, my brother did a, uh, was, went down in a shark diving cage thing over there. I if would, only never, they I would never fucking do that because I watched too many movies and too many movies are like, Hey, this person's in a seemingly safe fucking cage. And then the shark just rams it and breaks it open. So I ain't doing that. Honestly, but Matt like, seems like the type of guy who would. Just enjoy that. Yeah, he said it was really good. I was like, that's cool. I'll, I'll listen to your story about it. That's fine. <laughs> uh, oh, yeah, tomatoes. But yeah. Um, um, we yeah, did it. Yeah, 87%. I'm, I'm, 87% seems probably right for like how the tomatoes aggregates, you know, reviews. I'll give it a B plus. I think the like loners, like the second half of it with the loners is. Um, I think the hotel stuff is just brilliant. The hotel stuff is probably the strongest social criticism. The loner stuff kind of just gives you that that other side of you know where we go, where we go in society. Sometimes the other side, you know, sometimes you know rigidity of it sometimes has its goes too rigid and has its own authoritarian ways. Even if I think it's his best film. Yeah, I'll give you that. We didn't talk about killing. We should probably do a pod. We'll do a killing of a sacred deer at some point, I think, because it's um, yeah, like maybe in like a goddamn year. I yeah. don't want to watch that. No, no, I yeah, I but I the, I watched it for I this pod and we didn't talk about it much. But yeah, um, I think it was good for just a thematic. Uh, but again, um, yeah, this one I I've this is probably the fourth time I've seen it, and I enjoyed it more this time which is great when you rewatch films over you know it's you know i've only seen it probably once a year since it came out oh uh, this was doing third watch because I, I definitely i don't know why i would have watched it there um it's uh it's really charming in an absurd way at time like the romance stuff between the two uh um again i find really you know when he's leading it down the road when they're getting away and he helps her over the fence you know so those kind of little it's those little bits of romance that you know there's romantic people and you know it's a kind of and i think and in a film like this where it's so much it's so devoid of a lot of on the surface devoid of a lot of heart it does show i think he's just ep- expertly directed it and written it and crafted it to be exactly the vision he wanted to show on film which is something unique and not something that we'll get from anyone else and this is why we need filmmakers like this we talk about we've talked about it with ari aster and you know, Boots Riley was sorry to bother you and stuff like that. Is like these guys that write and direct their own material is like there's no one else. You know, a lot of screenwriters make it. You know, do really good work and 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 other people direct it and make equally great films. But sometimes these kind of films just they got to be done by the person who's you know the the absurd vision is is what it's on screen because it's it's so tightly controlled. So I'll do, I, I, one day I'll actually get a klaxon, but it's the brave filmmaking klaxon. Because I say that all the time. <laughs> <but> <laughs> uh, 
It is brave filmmaking, yeah. but that's why we pick the movies we do. You yeah. know, like when we do semi-pro or something like that, we won't say it's brave filmmaking. We'll just be like, you know, it's a good flick. Yeah. Somebody hit somebody. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, but yeah, he's... Um, I will say, I, I wanted to... I, I meant to bring it up earlier, but um, good year for original screenplay. Well, you know, you could say it was an interesting year for... That was a year that for movies that kind of inspired me to get back into writing a bit because Hello, How Water was... 15? Yeah, Is that no, 20, 2016. It would have been a 2016 um, Oscars. Uh, yeah. Sorry, 20, 2017 Oscars because uh, even though the film came out in 2015, it's, it's arrival into it only really got shown. It was 2016 and a lot of people saw it. So it, it was eligible for the 2017 Oscars where it um, was nominated for Best, Best Original Screenplay alongside... Uh, Manchester by the Sea won. Uh, 20th Century Women. I don't know that film. I'm sorry. Uh, then uh, La La Land and Hell or High Water were the other others there. So, which Hell or High Water is one we'll do at some point because I fucking love that film. Yeah, you love that film. Yeah. Um, and and Moonlight was the Best Picture winner that year. Um, so, you know, it, it was a it was a year that had some. <laughs> obviously, the the uh, infamous year of uh, the winner is La La Land. Wait, no, it's not. Um, but you know, that was also the Oscar so white year. Yeah, so. yeah. Um, Makes sense, no, Manchester by the C one screenplay. <laughs> <laughs> I think that's an entirely white film. Yeah. Um, but the yeah, and the Lobster, I guess we can't say, but uh, it deserved to be nominated for the best original screenplay, and probably is the most absurd original screenplay that of any of many years. So um, it's it's surprising that it kind of yeah. And, like, sometimes the Lobster is white. It's yeah. a white film. But it's also like you have to imagine that like these that's not the only hotel for these people, yeah. and that like that's another societal norm that people are expected to follow is marry inside your own race and all that stuff. Yeah. So it's just another criticism of how we view dating in society is that oh you're white you must get along with these other white people, but that's obviously not how it goes. Yeah. So yeah. you know it's just another one that's not on the surface, but it's right there. Like you have to imagine that's not the only hotel. Yeah. But obviously, you have to have a fucking imagination for this entire film. It's a, it's, it's out there. It's yeah. an out there film. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I I love it. It's um, it was really. I was glad that you. I think we were looking for a film, and was you were just like, fuck it. Do we do? It? We've talked about doing this one at some point. You were like, did we do the lobster? And I was like, fuck it. Yeah, let's do it. <laughs> and um, right. Considering the well, crazy- we did Mad Max last week, and we we're transitioning into August, which we have a plan for, yeah. which will be a little bit um, different than what we've done. So it was yeah. nice to like. There, I think this is a transition film between there because there's just like a lot of subcontext to what's going on. Yeah, yeah, and I'll probably I'll explain um, in the I think the pre-script for this pod. I might do a recording just to properly explain what we're doing there. Um, yeah, because uh, yeah, August is an important history month. So, but yeah, I'm glad we did this. I'm going to be sober for it, which is wild. Oh, you're doing sober? Okay, well, I'll, we'll talk about that off air. <laughs> All right, but yeah, for this podcast, I'm glad we did this one. This is one of those films that um, the reason we do a podcast like this is for some truly unique films, and this is one of them. So, uh, I got to open my beer. I just finished the other one, so, but I got to toast this one. All ah. fill air. Original sin coffee stout. Just finding, just finding all the coffee stouts. That's what I'm doing. He's a man that likes the stout. I don't get it. I've never <laughs> got. It. I'll never get it. But he likes the stouts. It's the Irish in me. I don't know. Um, anyway, 
I'll raise my original sin coffee stout from Beer Garden Brewing in Port Lincoln. Shark diving baby. capital of Australia. <laughs> baby. Got a baby kitten. Kittens. Yeah. You're going to have to send me a photo of that so I can put that on the Instagram because that's just such a, Will great, do. such a great label. I would adopt most of these cats. Especially the pink ones. I think there's only one pink one. Okay, well, the pink one then. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, right. Pink <laughs> one. Uh, yeah. All righty. Raise my pint to uh, The Lobster. Great. A unique film that um, everyone should watch and, and think about. It's a good thinking film. But until next yeah. time, we'll pour some pints, pop some corn, roll some film, and I'll see you next week, Shay. No, it's really nice to be on your own. There's no one tying you down. You get misty cups whenever you like. You masturbate whenever you want. Go for walks whenever you like. Have a chat whenever you like. I don't miss companionship at all. I just miss you because you were my one true friend. Are you going to shoot me? Something's gotten hold of my heart Keeping my soul and my senses apart Something's gotten into my life Cutting its way through my dreams like a knife Dragon.
change in the grave and change in the grave.